You're listening to the Frugal Spender Podcast, where we have conversations about the one thing you've always been told not to talk about, personal finance. Hey, and welcome back to the Frugal Spender Podcast. This is episode six, and today I wanted to address a question I get fairly regularly, and that is the question of when should you invest? So I put a TikTok video out last week that showed the power of compound interest over time, using an example of a 25-year-old starting to dollar-cost average into index funds until age 65, and hands down the most common question I got off the back of that was, am I too old to start investing? And the age of these people range from 30 to 50. And of course, I replied to every single one of those people telling them that absolutely not, it's not too late to start investing. And that applies to you too. I strongly believe that everybody should invest and that there's a way of doing it that applies broadly to pretty much everyone, which in my opinion is investing over the long term into index funds automating the process by setting up a monthly direct debit or payment and pretty much just forgetting about it. Now remember, nothing in this podcast is financial advice. And if you need specific advice, you need to speak to our financial professional. So I certainly believe that everybody should be investing, but there is, however, a caveat. You need to have a strong financial foundation before you get going. Whether you're 50, 30 or 18, the same rules apply. But you might be asking, what does it actually mean to have a strong financial foundation? Well, just like building a house, you need to dig into the ground, fill it with concrete and ensure when you build a structure, it's not going to collapse or sink. And this is true with your personal finances too. The good news is that these financial foundations are recognised pretty much by everybody in the finance or personal finance industry, which should certainly give you some confidence that there's truth to it. And I can certainly vouch for them because they gave me a strong foundation, both financially and mentally. So the first pillar, if you were, of this foundation is to be free of bad debt. Bad debt meaning high interest debt that you've used to buy a liability. Examples of this would include car finance, credit card debts, store cards or buy now pay later balances. These are all debts that are going to weigh you down and prevent you from building wealth. And you need to get rid of them to be able to move forward. This means buying things in cash going forward, things that you can only afford with money that you have. Now, in my opinion, there is such thing as good debt, but that only really applies to, let's say, a mortgage because most of us just can't afford to buy a house outright or potentially low interest loans to start a business. For me, those are the only ones that I would do myself, so I certainly wouldn't tell anybody else to do anything different. So by not having any bad debt, you open up more cash flow to allocate to other things, such as investing, or the next pillar of your strong financial foundation. And the second step is once you're debt free, is to build up an emergency fund or a rainy day fund, a what if fund, call it what you will, but you need a buffer between you and bad luck. This, in my opinion, is the biggest emotional and mental foundation. And I cannot emphasize enough what a good feeling it is to know that if things go wrong, you've got a pot of money to prevent you from going back into debt. If you think of your financial stress levels as a battery, and once you have at least three to six months worth of essential expenses in easy to access cash, it's like you're fully charged. Day-to-day stress dims down and you can focus on other things. 
personally, I had never had a thousand pounds sitting in an account that I hadn't assigned to a certain purpose. I'd always just spend what I had because it was burning a hole in my pocket. However, as soon as I taught myself how to be disciplined and leave that money as an emergency fund, I almost instantly felt like a weight was off my shoulders. And touch wood, since our household emergency fund was fully funded in 2020, we haven't once had to dip into it. It almost feels like now that we're prepared for things to go wrong, somehow they go wrong less. The third and final pillar for me is that you need to have a budget. To work out how much you can actually invest requires you to know how much is coming in versus what's going out. Many people stick to a percentage of the income that they invest, which is a great way to prevent lifestyle creep as hopefully your income increases over time. It forces you to be intentional by just using a percentage. For me, it's around about 20% and over time I'm actually trying to increase it. But if you have a number in mind, at least it forces you to think about what you're actually investing versus what's coming in. Now, when it comes to budgeting, I've actually got a spreadsheet on my website. If you're interested, then go and take a look at frugalspender.co.uk. But truthfully, you can do this yourself on Excel or even a written budget if you prefer. It's just about tracking your spending and allocating the resources that are coming in to the household. Once you have these pillars in place, you will then have a strong financial foundation and it's time to start investing. Investing is just simply trying to grow your money. Think of it as a way of storing the value of money over a span of time. There are many ways that you can invest, but in this particular episode, I'm going to talk about index funds. Index funds are as close to a one-size-fits-all that you can get. Investing in an index fund is a way to spread your risk by investing in the entire stock market or a sector rather than putting all your money into one stock. Yes, returns may potentially be lower, but the volatility is too and generally the most common index funds outperform inflation, which is currently at around 8%. So as an example, the S&P 500, which is a collection of the top 500 companies in America, has returned 10.5% annually on average since it began in 1957. Yes, things like Bitcoin could give you insane returns overnight, but in my opinion, speculative investing like this should only be a small percentage of your overall investments. For me, it's around about 5% of my total portfolio. And what this does is smooth out the bumps over time. You may get some big gains if you just seem to time it right when it comes to speculative investing, things like Bitcoin. But if it goes down significantly, it's not going to have a huge impact on your overall investments. So it's safe to say when it comes to investing that I think index funds should be where most of your money goes. And the strategy should be to buy the stocks every month, which is known as dollar cost averaging, regardless of what the price is of that fund, and leave it in for a long period of time until you sell them off. Utilising a SIP or a self-invested personal pension to get tax relief is a great idea, but only after you've got your employer match if it's available within your workplace pension but also in a stocks and shares ISA so that you can get tax-free growth and tax-free withdrawals. You should be using a combination of these things. I will go deeper into these subjects in future episodes, but I wanted to focus in today's episode on when it is that you should invest. And to reiterate the answer, it's when you have a strong financial foundation. Get the protection in place, then build wealth. So I hope you got something useful out of this quick episode. And if you have any questions about getting started with investing, my YouTube channel will be a good place to start as I talk about stuff like this at length. But feel free to message me on Instagram or comment on my YouTube and I will get back to you. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time. 
Peace. Peace.